Support for That Trippy Show comes from Odoo. What is Odoo? Well, Odoo is the only software your business will ever need. Featuring a suite of integrated business applications, Odoo connects your business operations together so you get more done in less time. Odoo has apps for everything. CRM, accounting, sales, HR, inventory, marketing, manufacturing, you name it. Odoo's got it. To learn more, visit odoo.com slash trippy. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash trippy. Hey, everybody, it's Joe Trippy, and welcome back to That Trippy Show. This week, Tuesday was pretty good. Uh, you know, very good night for Democrats and democracy. Wednesday's GOP debate continued Democrats' winning streak. Yes, I did actually watch it. And yeah, we'll talk about that ridiculous poll. Alex, where do we get started? Well, we'll get to where you were this week, and we'll get to the debate. But we got to talk about Tuesday first. Joe, you right away, and I think over the last couple of days, we're really some of the only people saying it. Tuesday was a really good night for Democrats and for Joe Biden, right? Yeah, absolutely. First of all, you could have written the media narratives before the results even came in. They were either going to do Democrats won despite Biden or Biden drags Democrats down. And you know, guess what? Both those narratives wrong. Uh, you know, I tweeted, uh, you know, I, t I tweeted this, Trump endorsed and MAGA GOP lose last night after losing the presidency in 2020, a disappointing red mirage in 2022, losing in Kentucky, Virginia, and Ohio, and Tater struggled to stay over 50% in Mississippi. Think Trump isn't a loser and weaker after last night? Think again. Because... That's the, that's what happened. You know, the the Republicans lost everywhere, even Mississippi. I mean, come on, Mississippi was like a two point race. Uh, this is a place where where Trump won by you know almost thirty points in in twenty twenty. So now it was a horrible night for the Republican Party for the MAGA GOP. A horrible night for Trump. And I I think I also tweeted something about. Where are all the stories about why is Trump such a loser instead of, you know, the, the take on Biden? But, yeah, no, it's all bullshit. Joe, you're right about the Trump loser thing. I mean, John Harwood made a couple of good points. I think he said he tweeted, if you've been reading political punditry lately, you might be surprised to learn that Democrats did well in yesterday's elections. And he had a follow up on, on the economy, too. But if we zoom out a little bit. Those are the last big elections of 2023. There is a there's a runoff in the Houston mayoral coming up. It's dem on dem. Sure, but yeah. for the most part, these were all the big ones. Uh, and, and once again, you keep hearing this word overperformance. I mean, is it is that what we're still calling it at this point? Yeah, well, it's the same thing that happened in 2022. I mean, 2022 should have, if you looked at the economic data, the uh, inflation, gas prices, all that stuff that was happening and, you know, the supply chain issues, all the things that were rampantly higher and worse in 2022. Um, Biden's approval ratings, et cetera. Yes, that's why they were all yapping about the big red wave that never came. Uh, because, you know, by those numbers, there should have been one. 
But the reality was, if you actually looked at the polling, if you looked at what people were saying, if you looked at the fact that that none of that, none of the, the those usual measures, and, uh, and I think somebody uh, has been, you know, I'm not the only one who talks about this, but the old measures of approval ratings, I mean, there hasn't been a, uh, you know, Obama's approval ratings at this point were horrible. Uh, you know, I mean, every income, we haven't been, uh, had a normal, you know, Trump's are in the shitter. They all are. So like trying to say, oh, the, the president's got low approval ratings, therefore the party's, you know, going to lose the 2022 elections in a big red wave, never materialized. They're making the same, they've learned nothing, absolutely nothing, you know, from even the last two or three cycles. Well, I mean, let's just look at this year. Look at the big wins. You got Judge Janet in Wisconsin, which was big because remember, what were those two issues? Yeah. Abortion and democracy. You got Ohio, the first round of initiative earlier this year to try to raise it to 60. Obviously, that went down in flames. Yeah. Uh, then obviously, I think the abortion amendment, and they're still tallying, but I think it's like 13 or 14 points. You got Bashir in Kentucky. Kentucky, yeah. Obvi- yeah, all that. What I thought found interesting about Ohio was the numbers of, you know, basically, I think in the 2022 cycle, if I remember, there was a poll polling that showed like um, women, you know, were angry about the Dobbs decision, uh, but the percentage was, you know, around 42 or something like that. Um, in the Ohio exit polls, 45% of women across party, forget about them, independent, Republican, 45% of women said they were angry about Dobbs. I mean, who voted. Right. That's That was the impetus for, for their vote, that they were angry about Dobbs. Uh, another big chunk were basically you could decide you were angry, dissatisfied, satisfied, or enthusiastic about, the Do- about Roe v. Wade being overturned. And, you know, enthusiastic that it was overturned was, was like 17 or 16 dissatisfied uh, was another 16 or 17 number, you know, for 32, 33. But the dissatisfied and the, uh, and, and in particular the angry, which is, you know, pretty uh, off the scale there, was, you know, totaled over 60%. Um, and I think that's why you saw, you know, basically that's what they were, you know, when they talk about exit polling early every election night, Always pay attention to that because what they're doing is they're signaling what's going to, you know, they know they've got the whole exit poll. But when they start talking about, you know, I think abortion is going to be a major factor tonight, <laughs> you know, around five o'clock, you know, the, you know, the exit polls are showing those kind of numbers and it reflects what happened, what we've been seeing since Kansas. I mean, all these places, 2022, same thing. There are a number, abortion, democracy with younger people can be gun violence. I mean, there's a number of different things that are, yeah. Do you think uh, Biden's too old? Yeah, I think Biden's too old. Do you think we need to do more about gun violence that the Republicans aren't even willing to look at common sense or talk about it? Yeah, I think we need to do a lot more. I'm particularly Gen Z. We talked about this last cycle. It's cross pressure. When they're confronted with that cross pressure, which they will be on Election Day in November, the, as they did in 2020, as they did in 2022, and as we saw Tuesday, they they do not vote for the crazy. They don't vote for the extreme. They vote for common sense. 
It's democracy. It's the majority rules. It's not the electoral college or making it harder for people to vote. They don't want that. And they don't want people messing the government in their private lives and personal decisions. So that's where the Republican Yunkin, that's where he went. You know, don't forget about Virginia, not only holding the Senate, but flipping the House of Delegates, which I think Larry Sabato talked about the blow to Glenn Youngkin, that there was now a big fire discount sale for Glenn Youngkin for President Merch, everything going for $1 or less, you know, T-shirts, buttons, things like that, uh, that had been, you know, stocked up in the campaign warehouse, facetiously, of course. But yeah, it, that kind of like put the big nail in the Glenn Youngkin will save the Republican Party from from Trump boomlet uh, that never really was. But yeah, he he was out there campaigning 15 week ban and really tried to sell it as a, you know, as a compromise middle way. Um, and I think totally underestimated that anger factor. People want Roe v. Wade restored. They don't want some government set deadline when it should be a decision between them and their doctor and you know their religious leader, but it's not, it's not the government. It's not Glenn Youngkin stepping in and saying, no, 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 after 15 weeks, you're screwed. You have no choice. You, yeah, you know, unless you're raped or something. I don't mean, you know, it was just unbelievable um, the tone deafness there, and that, that that he actually leaned in to try to get the trifecta and take the entire government. Uh, luckily and fortunately, a lot of work was done. Um, and in Virginia, we now have both the Senate and the House of Delegates. And good news, folks, Glenn Youngkin is term limited. He can't run again. So, uh, and I think the door just shut on his 2024 uh, presidential run. Uh, uh, you, you know, we'll see whether he ever gets off the ground after the debacle that happened to him on Tuesday night in 2028, I mean. Support for that trippy show comes from Odoo. What is Odoo? Well, Odoo is the only software your business will ever need. Featuring a suite of integrated business applications, Odoo connects your business operations together so you get more done in less time. Odoo has apps for everything. CRM, accounting, sales, HR, inventory, marketing, manufacturing, you name it. Odoo's got it. To learn more, Visit odoo.com slash trippy. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash trippy. So, Joe, zooming out, we talked about Tuesday night. I know we didn't talk about Kentucky. No, you wanted to go there. We can talk about that some other time. But what does all of this mean for Joe Biden next year? I, I know this is my way of asking about the New York Times Siena poll that we do have to talk about. But I also really want to talk about something you tweeted after Tuesday night. The first thing, the reason I wanted to talk about Kentucky is because Bashir is just positioned himself to add someone big to the deep, deep bench of the Democratic Party going into 2028. I mean, uh, Bashir is, you know, the governor. He won by a bigger margin. This is in Kentucky, folks. Big red, big red state. McConnell and a bunch of super PACs trying to take him out. Trump, you know, big Trump state. And you're going to hear a lot more about him uh, as we move forward. Uh, but on your question about Biden, though, uh, Alex, which is a good one, 
Um, you know, what's this all mean for him? It didn't, it never meant a whole lot. Uh, it's not changing my view. It wouldn't have changed either way. In other words, if we lost the Virginia House by, you know, a seat or two. Well, yeah, so, be, you know, I tweeted this after the Siena poll and before the election uh, night. You know, I said, for the record, Biden is going to defeat Trump by bigger margin than 2020. Everybody is so sold on his invincible hold on the nomination. I'm talking about Trump there. And yes, he will still most likely be the nominee, folks, that they are completely missing his weakness in Iowa and New Hampshire. Trump is going to be a much weaker nominee than he is today. You know, second in Iowa is going to matter. I've been telling everybody that. I've been there. I done that. I said that in the tweet. The point here is, you know, getting to the New York Times Siena poll, they're measuring garbage right now when the reality is, in my view, first of all, no head-to-head -head matters right now. And I've talked about that in the past. But second of all, Trump is going to be a much weaker nominee than he is at this moment. He's got to go through a nomination process, as does Joe Biden with Dean Phillips and the very rough, rough road that Dean's going to lay out for poor Joe. Just going to wipe, just wipe him out. He's like at, at the last poll had I saw on Phillips had him at three percent in a poll that uh, with a four point margin of error, which means technically Dean Phillips could be at minus one right now uh, against uh, against uh, Joe Biden. But my, my point here is there's a whole process that's going to occur. And I'm not talking about the trials. And I'm not talking about evidence and any of that stuff, which, which may weaken uh, Donald Trump more. But there's going to be a, a fight for the nomination, even though people think you know he's going to run away with it. He will most likely be the nominee of the Republican Party because they have winner-take-all rules and things. But... Um, the one thing that I did think about in the debate, uh, now moving to that just for a second here, I know we'll talk more about it a little bit. The more debates are muddled and they don't matter, the more no one really is emerging, the more important taking second in Iowa is going to be. Uh, because I still believe that the press and all of us just want to know who it is that is the real challenger um, to Trump in the party, if there is one. And that night, just by the way, it's the same night we all, way we all woke up and discovered that, wait, Barack Obama might really be able to beat Hillary when he, he won there. Taking second to Trump is going to matter, and Trump is very weak in New Hampshire. He could be beat there, and if that happens, I, I'm really interested in what, this, what the Siena New York Times head-to-head -head poll would look like after that, even if he does come back and win the nomination, which I still think he would. So that's a, you mentioned, and I think that's a really good way to, to tie off the, the poll stuff. But one thing we also got to mention is just historically how unbelievably short-sighted all this freak out is, even from the same New York Times, by the way. Yeah. I mean, I was on Obama 2012 when they put out an article and it was literally a year out from in 2011 is Obama toast was the headline. And they've done this on like every, I mean, I'm sure you can point out every single race before that, how they take approval ratings or whatever, a poll and just totally doom the incumbent. 
Well, it's happened basically, you know, to every incumbent. And we talk about this all the time. Uh, you know, 37% of the American people wanted Ronald Reagan to run for re-election. I mean, not only did he win re-election by a massive landslide of landslide. 49 states, yeah. but his vice president, George Herbert Walker Bush, went on to win the presidency. The only time a party's won it three times, three, three in a row, right? Because that never happens. In fact, right now, you're lucky if you can extend it to two. Um, been a lot of one time, you know, one time, in fact, George Herbert Walker Bush was a one-term president, uh, you know, and Clinton winning two and Bush winning two, W winning two. Those are all like normal, one term, two terms. No party, I mean, think going back to FDR, no parties won three in a row. And, and yet in 83, there was polling that was, it was so bad on the economy and other things. His approval rating on the economy was, was horrible, Reagan's. And um, and uh, only 37 percent of Americans wanted him to run again. Forty, you know, literally, a, I think that was 14 months out. 14 months later, it was morning in America, uh, were the ads, you know, and he was and he was rolling. The point is, it was the Democratic primary process in that race that led to Reagan being able to demolish a fractured Democratic Party that had a big fight for the nomination. I actually think that depending on who takes second in Iowa, there's a chance that Trump will face a significant fight, but he'll he'll survive it, like Mondale did uh, in 83 uh, to, to, to take on uh, Reagan. Mondale was behind by one point, 47 to 46. Like I said, 14 months later, that's a different story. I, you know, I do want to point out, though, Ron Brownstein, who who I think, I really do think of all the, the journalists out there who sort of look at these things and uh, reports on them. He uh, actually, I think he texted me because he saw that tweet uh, that I just read about uh, Iowa's going to matter and New Hampshire's going to happen. Uh, New, in New Hampshire, you know, he's weaker in New Hampshire than people think. And Ron... Um, said that he had had a very similar thought that it that Trump's weakness in those two states could mean um, that that there was going to be some you know some excitement some struggle some something uh, some hurdles thrown uh, in potentially in the way uh, of of Trump and uh, you know I, I I just think that he has a lot of insight frankly, both of us have been around long enough to remember a lot of these these fights and and uh, and how Iowa and New Hampshire interact. I do really like what Joe Biden said, by the way, about Tuesday night. Uh, talking about the man himself, voters vote, polls don't. Joe, I think you you and pointing out Ron and others have have made a very good case for that to be to happen. Uh, the other one I saw that I really liked was uh, someone who's on Biden twenty twenty. Uh, told Politico, pundits say if Biden is doing X, then the smart money is X will fail. Then X succeeds, and they pretend they were silent the whole time. Rinse and repeat. At what point do we start calling it dumbass money? Which, yeah. And I end the Biden chunk of this show with dumbass money because we do have to talk about your trip to Miami, Joe. I know you were there. Well, I wanted, but I do want to go back to Ron Brownstein for a second because, you know, he said the doubts that polls show, you know, you know, in terms of Biden are real. 
But a clear message from Tuesday is that however disenchanted voters are with his performance, Democrats can still win elections by running campaigns that prompt voters to consider what Republicans would do with power. I think that is exactly right. And that's the that gets to the contrast that will be there in 2024 with Trump and and Mike Johnson as speaker and all that. You know, I tweeted when he did that, I, when, when I saw Ron, I, I tweeted, this is the contrast that made Biden victorious in 2020 and turned a red wave into the mirage in 2022. Last night was another example. It's the contrast with what Trump and the MAGA GOP would do with power. And, and like I said, if whenever I sort of get in sync, like where I wake up and like, wait, he just said something I was thinking, I know I'm on to something because he's a really sharp observer of this stuff. And I think uh, Tuesday night really showed the strength of what happens when, again, in those House races in Virginia, that contrast was clear. You had to deal with that con- you know, with the fact that if you voted for one of those for one of the Republicans, you were going to put in a majority people that wanted to ban or limit your right the woman's right to reproductive freedom, ban abortion. But faced with that, I think people are, uh, it, it's what makes that whole, you poll during 2020, 2022, I mean, people are upset about the economy, how are you, high prices, you know, uh, uh, the pollster calls you up, they ask you how you're going to, how you're going to vote. And you're like, screw this, I'm going to send a message, whatever. You go into the booth, it doesn't work out that way sometimes. And that's what's been happening for three cycles now. I think it's going to happen again. Okay. But we do have to get to dumbass money because I think we, we, let's talk about Miami, Joe. So you were there. Uh, you went down. Oh, my God. You, you, Reed, and Rick went down. Yeah. Reed Galen and Rick Wilson and I went down there all, all like just, you know, flew down. We're going to be there. We'll be able to push back against any of the, you know, anybody who pops out of that thing with some, you know, on a moment. Uh, it's It was just, what a waste of time. I don't mean I would have had to watch it anyway, but uh, there was nothing worth responding to. It was so bad. I mean, I think, look, I think in that world where they're all screaming at each other and, uh, uh, you know, Vivek is sort of like, you know, whacking anything that moves, that, uh, that Nikki Haley comes off better than the rest of them. But I don't know that anybody really notices that. I don't know what any, you know, what anybody's really watching. So I think all in all, you know, I, I said, you know, that it was a, a you know, basically a, a meaningless debate that signified nothing. Certainly that won't have anything to do with who takes second in Iowa, uh, is what I'm saying. It's not, you know, tr- Trump's at 43 in Iowa, folks. He's at 37 in New Hampshire, like I talked about earlier. 43, I've been with front runners in Iowa. I've been where we, you know, got 49% of the vote, had it the whole way. But when you're at 43 and DeSantis is at 16 and Haley's at 16, first of all, there's 32 points right there. And then you got Christie and everybody else. There's a hell of a lot more votes in the Iowa caucus that are not with Trump right now. And by the way, if you're DeSantis and you have the governor's endorsement, the Iowa governor has come out for DeSantis, and you're still at 16, uh, I'm not sure 
that you can, you know, that you can go to the bank thinking you can bank, talk about uh, your uh, dumbass money. I would not go to the bank and bet on uh, and take it out to bet on DeSantis taking second, although he could. Haley, I think, uh, did well enough in the debate that it doesn't matter. She still, you know, can take second. She's at 16 there. And the interesting thing about that, it, which I'm not sure about, is I don't think DeSantis helped himself at all. But DeSantis has poured a lot of money into organization and people uh, in Iowa, which tends to matter. Um, so uh, I, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see which of the two of them uh, pull it out. If DeSantis pulls it out, I don't think, um, I don't think Trump's going to have much of a problem. I think uh, it won't blow up into a, a big fight. Um, DeSantis will, uh, you know, he'll have a little blip, but it won't go go very far. I think uh, if Haley take, beats him, first of all, the big part of the story will be she supplants him as the challenger to Trump. Um, and the press and the donors and a whole lot of people in the party who are with other people like Christie um, who don't want Trump will consolidate pretty quickly to her in a place like New Hampshire, which has kind of got that that you know New England independent streak. So we'll see what happens. But I didn't think that the debate really changed a whole lot. You know, and I said at the time, you know, we went there thinking maybe you know we could knock down a moment. But let's be honest, unless you think the three inch hills thing was was a moment, I don't think it was. You know, so there wasn't anything to do, nothing to knock down. Yeah. Well, it, the one thing that I just really felt like we had to talk about. So before the debate, it, you know, it basically came out like Vivek's strategy was that he was going to be unhinged during the debate to see. And, and I mean, he kind of was. Um, but the one thing that, that we got to really like hammer and can't let people forget, he went off on Ukraine. And yeah. that that was not. Vivek is not a serious candidate. He is never going to sniff the presidency. But the fact that he got primetime coverage to go off on these just very authoritarian talking points on Ukraine. And then, by the way, the media is covering him fairly uncritically. Like, we need to understand his job is to get those talking points out there, right? I mean, yeah. That's, that's what he is. Yeah. And that's where I think the divide happens if, if Haley becomes... The challenge, the chief challenger, because she's, first of all, she's got good foreign policy chops, being the ambassador to to the UN. She understands all that stuff: China, Ukraine, uh, uh, Israel, uh, Gaza. You know all, all all the hot spots that are happening right now, um, and she's going to be pushing for um, standing with Ukraine, while Putin will have his bro Trump fighting for him. Um, in, in, you know, in any debate that's going on in New Hampshire or any ads that are happening. Um, and so I think, uh, you know, Vivek is, you know, went after her for a reason. Or first of all, he, like I said, he goes after anything that moves, but he went after her for a reason. Um, it, you know, they're trying to knock her out now, probably because they do see her as being the biggest threat. I, I think in the end, she could take off. But it, again, because of the way the rules work and the makeup of the MAGA control of the party right now, it'll be a be rougher for Trump, but you know, not really going anywhere. 
You know, the one thing, though, um, that is also clear, because we, we talked about this too, Alex, you know, with, with uh, DeSantis's biggest uh, contributor dumping him to go, to go with Trump, you know, and I tweeted about that too. I said, you know, it's pretty, pretty clear that those abandoning DeSantis, which I think is smart, uh, have only two places to go now. You, particularly, and I really thought this after the debate, you know, you can go to Trump or Nikki Haley. It's, you know, it's crazy. And this, and Bigelow's, his biggest donor is, is basically, oh, I'm going with Trump. Uh, you know, but I'm not sure Iowa or New Hampshire voters are going to follow Bigelow, you know, money types to Trump. And after last night, I would not count Haley out in this crowd. I think, again, that if she ekes out DeSantis in Iowa, that's the thing I'll be watching for the night of the Iowa caucuses, that, uh, that we'll all be looking back on the muddled debates, DeSantis not ever getting off the ground. Um, Vivek actually makes the debates kind of unwatchable. Uh, you know, you can't even hear half of it. <laughs> There's no kind of about it. Yeah. Yeah. So you, so what I'm saying is they're, they're nothing burgers. The whole, he, he, the whole thing becomes a nothing burger. I think that benefits Nikki Haley because everybody's going to be stumbling into Iowa wondering who, who, please just tell me who let's end this. Uh, and if it's Vivek or DeSantis or something like that, I think everybody will throw in the towel and uh, Trump will be on his way. And uh, if it's her, you know, Christie's not going to take second uh, there. So it, it's probably her. I don't know who else would, would shake things up, but she might. So, Joe, I know we covered a lot, but that's just about a good place to end today. Okay, thanks, Alex. Thanks, everyone, for listening to that trippy show. I am a little bit more miscombobulated today, having flown to Miami, watched that thing, and then flown back. Uh, but so thanks for listening. Remember that this podcast will always be free with support from our advertisers. This podcast is part of Resolute Square. Check out the latest at resolutesquare.com slash trippy. Please subscribe to that trippy show and leave a review on Apple or wherever you listen. And you can always send us a question to that trippy show at gmail.com or leave us a question in the review on iTunes. We'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening.